Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, Houdat Nation, and welcome to a Week 18 edition of the Saints Hour. Steve Geller here, filling in for the voice of the Saints, Mike Haas. I'll be joined by sideline reporter Jeff Nowak and executive vice president and general manager Mickey Loomis after the first break. Boy, Sunday in Tampa was a big success for the black and gold. The Saints needed a win to keep postseason hopes alive, and they go on to beat the Buccaneers 23-13 in Raymond James Stadium. Saints started out strong, taking their opening drive down the field 73 yards and 14 plays for a score. Carr takes the snap, middle of the pocket, throws, caught, far side, touchdown. Jawan Johnson, second straight week for a touchdown as the Saints convert on a third and goal, and that's what you want to do. Take the ball, drive it right down their throats. Now the Florida lead D responded by forcing a three and out on the Buccaneers' first offensive possession. Then the second drive that Baker Mayfield had the ball, he tossed Tampa's first turnover of the day. Mayfield has it. Mayfield keeps it, rolls to his right, lofting one towards the end zone. Good coverage by the Saints, and that is picked off by Alante Taylor at the two-yard line. Taylor turned around, had Trey Palmer in coverage, and Alante Taylor, who got benched last week, makes amends, and he comes back strong. That was Alante Taylor's first career interception. Last year's second-round pick added to his 13 passes defensed and a forced fumble this year. Now, no points would come for the black and gold off that takeaway, but the Saints would find the end zone again later on in the second quarter. There's the snap. Here comes pressure. Carr throws it towards the end zone, looking for Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill makes the catch on the near side, and that is a touchdown for Taysom Hill. That beautiful throw and catch made it 14-0 Saints, who would add a field goal for a 17-0 lead heading into halftime. Coming out of the break, the Buccaneers got the ball and went three and out. They would get the ball back, but decided to give it right back to New Orleans. Second and two from the 43. Saints bring pressure, and he skips by it. Does Rashad right to the outside, still on his feet. 30, inside the 30, knocked out of bounds. Ball's loose. Saints have it. Demario Davis has the football, still on his feet. Still on his feet at the Saints 45-yard line. What a play on the far side. 
Demario Davis comes up with the football. Now the Saints would get points off of that fumble recovery as Blake Goofy hit a field goal to make the score 20 to nothing in the third quarter. Eventually the fourth quarter would get underway with more of the same from the Saints defense. They'd force a third takeaway on the day. Baker has it, Saints bring four, throws to the near side, that's picked off, Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram, he's already forced to fumble. Jonathan Abram was playing in place of rookie Jordan Howden, who's dealing with an illness. Now the Bucks would finally get on the board their next possession, scoring a touchdown to make the game 20-7. We'd see the Saints answer back with a field goal to extend their lead, though, to 23-7. Tampa had a chance to make it a one-score game, but former LSU Tiger Trey Palmer couldn't hold on to the football. First and 10 at the 25, moving left to right are the Buccaneers. Back to throw is Mayfield, throwing deep down the sideline. He's got Trey Palmer. Palmer makes the catch all the way down to the Saint fumble because nobody touched him, and I believe the Saints got it. It is. Saints football as Palmer fumbled as he went to the ground. Chris Salave played last year yes. against the Saints. That's a catch, and he did not give himself up. He just fumbled. That was the Saints' fourth takeaway of the game that boosted the black and gold giveaway takeaway ratio to plus eight on the season. That's tied for the seventh best in the NFL. You know how these NFC South games can get, though. Those bothersome bucks would not go away, eventually scoring a touchdown to make the game interesting. But in the end, the Saints would close things out, getting a 23-13 victory that boosted their record to 8-8 eight and, eight and still alive for a spot in the postseason. Now they'll need a victory hosting the Falcons this Sunday, plus have the Panthers best the Bucks in order to take the NFC South crown. If Carolina can't come through, there's still another way to earn a playoff berth for the Saints. A win over the Falcons combined with a Bears victory at Green Bay and Seattle losing in Arizona would give New Orleans a wild card berth. We'll get more into the Saints' triumph over Tampa on New Year's Eve along with playoff talk next segment with Mickey Loomis and Jeff Nowak. Stay tuned, Hoodats. We'll be right back with more on the Saints Hour here on the Community Coffee Saints Radio Network. Welcome back into the Saints Hour. Steve Geller along with Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak and also welcoming in Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. How you doing, Mickey? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys. Um, man, I went to the Sugar Bowl last night. That was a fantastic game. One of the best uh, college football games I think I've seen in a long time. Um, and I didn't have any skin, real skin in the game in terms of who wins, although I am a Pac-12 guy uh, from way back. So, um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's amazing when you're around uh, a great games like that, obviously, when there's really nothing invested, you can really just enjoy the game instead of having your nerves jumping all over the place. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. A lot of great performances and great comeback by Texas to um, and have a chance to win at the end. It was really spectacular. Uh, looking at the Saints team, obviously, a big win Sunday, Tampa Bay. Uh, happy New Year's Eve, uh, you know, an early start over there, staying alive for that playoff hunt. And just you could see and feel the tone from this team right off the bat, able to come out, uh, drive down, a long drive down the field and getting six points on the board right away was so key in that Bucks matchup. Yeah, I thought I thought our opening drive was a, a real key, uh, you know, send a message. I felt like, you know, Tampa was kind of ready to, you know, 
get out there and get on with the game and celebrate, you know, winning the division and, and uh, for us to come out and, um, you know, smash them in the mouth, take that, take that opening drive down and score and, and set the tone for the, for a really dominant first half. I mean, we had over 200 yards of offense in the first half. I think they had less than 50. Um, it was a dominant performance. Uh, and really the game was won, you know, in the first, uh, in the first half, I think, you know, their first seven possessions, they had five punts and two turnovers. So um, kudos to, you know, all phases of, of, um, of our club offense, defense, and special teams. I thought each one had uh, a hand in the, in the victory and, um, you know, they, they got a couple scores late, to, uh, you know, put the interest in the game, but I, I never really felt like it was out of our grasp. You know, Mickey, one of, there's always a lot put on coaching. There's a lot of, a lot of debate, a lot of criticism, some of it fair, some not so fair, but to me, I've always felt like these kind of rematch divisional games are a really kind of big litmus test for not only the team, but for the coaching. Cause it's one thing to have the team prepared week in, week out, whatever the challenge is, but it's another thing when you know what they want to do and they know what you want to do, you can throw in some wrinkles, but at the end of the day, the offense is the offense, the defense is the defense. And so that's why personally, I take a little bit more encouragement out of a game like that, where not only you went into their house, you dominated, you got a win that you needed to have. And, you know, I I'm curious as to, you know, when you kind of evaluate the season and you evaluate the results, do those, do those games mean a little more? Cause obviously, you know, the, the straightest line of the playoffs is through the division and whether, you know, obviously it's three and two right now, a four and two division record, whenever it happens is a, is a positive result. Yeah. I, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. I don't, I don't know that I put that much stock into it because look, you, you know, your division opponents better than you know, anyone else because you're playing them twice a year. And if they haven't had significant personnel changes, particularly, in, you know, with the coaching staff, then you know what, you know, schematically like they like to do coming into the season. So I don't, I don't look as, at the rematch is anything really different other than, you know, in a case where they've got, you know, different personnel at, you know, a quarterback position or some key positions, which in, in Tampa's case, they do with Baker Mayfield, who's had, had a good season for them. Um, but I, I think too often we put too much stock in, well, I, I don't know that we put too much stock in it, but I think that most of the uh, people that I hear in the media that are evaluating coaches aren't really qualified to do that because um, uh, they don't know what's being coached. They don't know what's being told during the week. And there's a difference between what they're being told and what's being executed sometimes. So um, there's some truth to what, you know, to your comment, but, but I don't think there's as much, uh, I don't put as much stock into it as, as you might. Mickey, another thing like uh, that, fans and media we really don't know what sometimes players are dealing with and to see Derek Carr go out there the performance he had really had some nice throws accurate efficient and even heard from Dennis Allen after the game talk about how that that shoulder injury um, really was something that might have been uh, something bothering him uh, that he's just able to work through but didn't seem like it was an issue at all last game obviously yeah, I, I think, look, I think overall Derek's done some really good things this season. Um, Especially the a few I games, think, for sure. Yeah, and, and if you if you look at some of the areas, um, you know, his rating, his, his, his efficiency, there, there's a lot of really good things that, that we've done. There's some things that he hasn't done well. And, you know, how he feels each week, 
obviously he had a shoulder injury, you know, early in the season and that there's no question that bothered him. Um, we didn't handle pressure very well uh, earlier in the season. And I think, you know, in the last four or five games in particular, you know, our offensive line and our protection has been better. So there's all these variables, all these elements that, that um, contribute to, you know, the quarterback play. And look, we all look at the quarterback and we look at the head coach and that's where we want to point um, blame and, and oftentimes give, give credit. And yet there's just so much more to it than that. Um, but, you know, what you said is correct. You know, Derek has ha had a great game against Tampa. It was really efficient. There were some still, there still was some meat left on the bone. You know, there's still opportunities that, that, um, um, that were to be had that might maybe would have put that game even further out of reach. And we've had a few uh, things like that. I think this season has been a tale of um, we've had quarters and halves and parts of games where you can see what we can be, but it's, it's hard to point to a lot of games and say from beginning to end, this is what we are. And, and um, that's not unusual. I mean, this is Derek's first year with us. And if, if we went back to 2006 and looked at uh, Breeze's first season or two with us, it, you wouldn't say, wow, that guy's going to the hall of fame. Um, after season one or season two. So, you know, it, sometimes it takes a while uh, for, you know, for, for us to be familiar with him, for him to have a real grasp of the offense uh, in terms of, of um, being reactive instead of thinking and then making a play and, and, and uh, getting on the same page with, you know, our staff, our coaches, as well as our players. Yeah, and I think that that point is interesting, and I did want to ask you about that because you're looking at you know year one of Da and Derek Carr together, and as you're evaluating it, how important is it to kind of take a step back and and avoid just trying to say, well, this is what it was in 2020 with you know year 15 of of Sean or whatever it was with Drew and Sean versus you know this is a new regime, and you have to kind of look at them independently of like, okay, where are we really? How how have we improved? What needs to be fixed? versus getting into that game of, oh, well, this is what Drew and Sean did. Yeah, um, I, I would say that most of that process comes after the season. Mm -hmm. I don't like to um, I don't like to make evaluations in season because, you know, you're dealing with the emotion of winning and losing each week, and you're dealing with, you know, the, the, um, the issues that come up on a, on a daily basis to prepare for the next game. But that'll, that'll be a process we go through and I go through um, when the season's over, I've, you know, look, I, I certainly have a few thoughts and a few things that I, I think we need to have a discussion about. Um, but that'll all come after the season's over, and hopefully the season won't be over af uh, after Sunday. Time to step away and take a break. We'll be back with more of the Saints Hour right here on the Community Coffee Saints Radio Network. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, Hoodheads, welcome back into the Saints Hour. Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak, Mickey Loomis. Mickey, one of the things that I feel like this team's definitely been able to hang their hat on this season and has been has excelled at is creating those takeaways. They had four uh, in this game. You even had a, a interception on a two-point conversion, but that doesn't end up counting as a as a takeaway, just a failed two-point attempt. But uh, really great to see considering last year I know there were struggles in, in getting those fumbles and interceptions, but uh, just the the floodgates seem to have been open this year and the guys capitalizing on those opportunities. Yeah, look, we've done a great job, uh, particularly with the interceptions, um, both taking away the ball uh, through an interception and not giving up interceptions. So, yeah, being plus eight is, is uh, yeah, that's really good. Um, I, it's been an emphasis. Um, you know, it was an emphasis during training camp. It was an emphasis after last season. And it's good to see that come to fruition. Um, I think our guys are really ball conscious, um, you know, uh, defensively when we're playing the game. And and I know that our offensive players are really conscious about protecting the football. So we've done a, a good job on both sides. Um, and that's good to see. Uh, you know, one of the things after the game that, that I thought was interesting, Tyron said that he was asked to kind of stand up on Saturday and, and kind of rally the troops, if you will. The DBs really responded, he said. And in the game, I think you saw that you saw that play out. And so my my question is, you know, as you're building a roster, right, yeah. how important is it to you not only have youth, you want to have young guys, you want to have guys that are developing, but you also need the Tyron Matthews of the world, the Demario Davises, guys that – have been there because I think at the end of a season, it's almost always the teams that have those kind of core leaders that seem to be playing their best football at the end of the year. So, I mean, how important do you kind of view that veteran leadership as you're, as you're building uh, these rosters every year? Yeah, I, I think it's huge. I do. I think that uh, each year, you know, we end up with a Super Bowl winner, right? And I would say in the last, you know, 40 years that um, very seldom, is the Super Bowl winner the team that has the best roster? It's the best team. And you have the best team when you have great player leadership. And when you have guys that that uh, recognize veteran players that recognize what's important and can keep um, their team on that path, keep them focused and on that path, doing the right things when no one's looking. 
uh, preparing the right way um, each week. And, and it's just critical. I know, I know that in the best teams that we've had over the years, um, we had great veteran leadership. Um, you know, in that, that 06 to 2012 run, it was Breeze and it was Vilma and Will Smith and, and um, Malcolm Jenkins and, and, you know, a number of guys that, that I'm not even naming Jabari Greer comes to mind. So we just had guys that, that understood um, what the goal was, what the focus is and how to keep our team and their position group uh, in line and, and focus to that goal. Uh, looking at the safety position in that game, obviously Jordan Howden was dealing with a sickness, had to call up Jonathan Abram, rely on him uh, to fill in that role. And man, oh man, when you see a guy respond like that, uh, what a day for him really helping this team uh, get over the hump in Tampa Bay. Yeah, look, John Abram was was big, um, you know, stepping in there. And look, he's a talented player. Um, had a great rookie, uh, you know, beginning with, with – uh, the Raiders and, and then was injured and has had to kind of reset his career. But man, he came to play me too, uh, made a number of really big plays in the game for us. And that, that was good to see. He's been, look, he's a guy that's, uh, that's come in here, humble, done everything that he's asked. He's been a great teammate, um, works his butt off on, on special teams, practices on scout team, everything that, that he's been asked to do. He's been great at, and, and we've, I appreciate that. We've had a number of guys, that have come um, on our roster through oftentimes through the practice squad and end up uh, making contributions during the season. That's just the nature of the NFL right now. You know, we have these, these uh, practice squad spots and we're allowed to put veterans on there. And, and that's just been invaluable uh, in terms of the product. In a similar vein, I think DA has talked a couple times about, you know, challenging some players. You know, I know Jawan Johnson was one of those players. Delonte Taylor obviously had the, he got benched against the Rams, came back, got his first career interception, had a really nice game. And, you know, so I'm curious when you see players not only have big games, but respond to adversity yeah. in that way. Um, you know, what is kind of, how, how do you, how do you see that? Because it feels like a guy like Jawan, I think he came in with a really high expectations. And I think a lot of people had really high expectations and to see him kind of come in and win a big game and play the way he did. How does that look? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, two different circumstances. Uh, look, we have high expectations for Juwan. Um, He had a really good game. And look, I said to him afterwards is that's what we expect from you. Let's not let's not get overly excited about having one good game. We, we expect that from him every each and every week. And I think the good news is he expects that of himself, but um, you know, at some point you have to produce it and he produced it in this game. And so hopefully we'll, he'll follow that up with another one and another one. Um, Alante, look, he, you know, he got benched last week, but he got pulled out of the game for, um, you know, his play. That's Let's just be frank about it. And, I, I was really proud of him and really excited to see him respond, take it the right way um, and come back with, with uh, um, a really good performance. And that, that he's a, he's a good player and he's got a great future. Um, and, and that was really good to see. Another guy I'm curious about Mickey, your thoughts on Zach Bourne, a guy that, you know, was a third round pick and, just has been fighting for those that playing time and a spot on this roster and seems to really be coming into his own this season. 
Yeah, I, well, I think this, first of all, his spot on the roster has been solidified because he's been a really good special teams player for us um, really since, since you know, he walked into the building. So, um, but defensively, I think it's been a little more difficult for us to have a vision for him um, defensively. And so I think this year, you know, we, we've kind of settled into, the, obviously he's a Sam linebacker and, you know, in, in today's football, the Sam linebacker doesn't play as much as, as they used to. So they're getting, you know, 10 to 15 snaps a game at Sam, Sam linebacker, sometimes less than that, but we found a role for him as a pass rusher on third down, a sub rusher. And he's, uh, he's excelled at that. And so that's been good to see. And it's impacted, it's impacted our defense and, and um, I'm excited for him. Yeah. I, I am curious. I know in the preseason and the off season, we talked prior to the draft or after the draft, I can't recall, but you kind of talked about some of the, the process of scouting. And I think it was maybe 0.9 or something like that with players that have a ton of talent might not be a scheme fit, but yeah. the, you know, if the value makes sense, you could take a shot at him. Would you say that he was one of those guys that he did a lot of the pass rushing stuff in college? It was, tried to convert to an off-ball linebacker a bit, um, but now you're kind of seeing him in a different role. And I am just curious if, he, if he'd if he be one of those guys. Yeah, I, you know, he could have been. I think for us, we kind of felt like we felt like he could make the transition uh, to an off-the-ball linebacker. And look, we've had other guys, you know, do that. And 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 so that hasn't really worked out like we th- originally thought it would. And it's taken a little more time for us to – to create the vision for how to use Zach on defense. And, and uh, I'm glad to see that happen. I'll cl- closing out some thoughts on some players. I'm, I'm looking at the undrafted rookies at special teams. And uh, I'm sure you guys hear just as much as we do uh, with the struggles that Blake Groupie had had and Lou Headley, maybe fans were ready to move on very quickly from these young guys, but man, oh man, just the fight in them. And you've seen the growth over the past couple of games and now heading into the uh, end of this year, definitely, uh, especially with Lou Headley, a, a strength in the, in the punk uh, game for you guys. Yeah, I think, um, look, I think sometimes numbers tell a story and sometimes they don't. Right. And so look, I, you know, the, the gross average and the net average are probably a little lower than what you might want. And yet, man, you know, Lou has got the lowest amount. I think he's got the lowest amount of um, punts returned in the NFL. And he's got one of the highest amounts of uh, percentage of punts inside the 20. So he's been really effective. And that's, that's uh, what I would call stress-free hmm. punt game, right? When, when you're, when you're pinning the opponent um, deep in their own territory and when you're not getting a lot of returns, Um I think I think Blake, you know, he he had a, a rough start at the beginning, but he's back to eighty percent. Um, right. And look, I've had experience with young kickers in the past. John Casey was a guy we had in Seattle. We drafted and we kind of gave up on after after uh, three or four years. And and um, he had a couple rough goes, and then he ends up punting or I mean kicking for like twenty five years, whatever the heck it was, forever it seemed like one of the best kickers uh, in NFL history. And so I think sometimes you have to be patient um, with some of the struggles when you know that the guy has the talent and the leg talent to be special. And, and Blake's another guy that um, can create a, a stress-free kickoff coverage team by, by banging the ball uh, to the back of the end zone. Um, he's got a number of, of, of type of kicks that he, he's uh, good at. And um, 
So he has some talents that maybe don't show up on the stat sheet as well. Time for another break here on the Saints Hour. We'll be right back with even more on the Community Coffee Saints Radio Network. Welcome back into the Saints Hour. Steve Geller, along with Jeff Nowak, closing out our final segment with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. Jeff, why don't you go ahead first? Yeah, as we head into Week 18, obviously, you know, there's, I think I saw a stat today, there's 20 teams still alive for a potential postseason berth, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Obviously, the Saints are one of those teams, three teams could still potentially win the NFC South, you know, between the Bucks, Saints, and Falcons. Those games are going to go off simultaneously. There's been a lot of talk about the atmosphere in the Dome, you know, maybe not some of the best results um, throughout this season, last season. But, you know, how how exciting is it to be able to walk into that building knowing that, it, you know, this is a Week 18 game against against the Falcons. You can go out there and win. And, you know, what kind of atmosphere are you, you know, expecting or hoping for uh, this Sunday? Yeah, well, I, first of all, I think the atmosphere in the dome has been as good as it's it's been for a long time. It was it's been really good this year. Um, when it's not good, it's really our fault because we're not playing well enough to um, give the fans something to to get excited about. And so um, that that's on us. Um, uh, like I said, I think I said this earlier. The only disappointing thing that happened this year was when we had so many Detroit fans, you know, for that game against Detroit. And I look, I get it though. You know, people um, have an opportunity to, to cash their tickets in and, 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 and get some money at a time when, when they need it. I understand that completely. Um, but it, it's, it's, the fans have been fantastic. They really have. And, and uh, again, we're going to have a great atmosphere. It's Atlanta. It's always a good atmosphere when we play Atlanta and uh, um, we just, we need to give our fans something to cheer about. Yeah, obviously, uh, curious your thoughts on all the renovations that have, have happened in the Superdome and uh, what have fans said to you about them, if anything? Yeah, well, look, I got I got uh, one of my firsthand looks last night at the Sugar Bowl. I got to walk around a little bit um, right. <laughs> through the concourses and, and into some areas that I don't normally get to. And, and look, all the one all the renovations that have been done are fantastic. It's it's really remarkable that. You know, this building was built about the same time as the Kingdom when I was in Seattle. And the Kingdom was a great venue, but it could fit inside the Superdome. Um, and so for for this venue to go through, you know, these renovations um, from time to time and just remain so viable um, at a really efficient cost is a credit to, look, the people that built it originally and then the vision that that um, you know the state and the city and 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 the saints have had from time to time to keep this this uh, um, great building. Um, it's had you know iconic events in there, and hopefully is going to have a lot more to come. And um, I think they're fantastic, and and they'll finish those up this coming off season, and um, we'll have one of the best venues in the country. Just curious uh, on a game day for you, Mickey. Well, what's it like uh, being, you know, the general manager of the Saints? What is your uh, game day experience entail getting to the Dome and, you know, watching the game and, uh, you know, obviously rooting for this team? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's fun. That's not the right <laughs> word. Um, look, I, I, you know, I get there early. I, I visit with the head coach. Uh, um, I just, you know, walk around down on the field. I like to make some observations about various things. And then I go up and, and just watch the game, take a few notes. There's not much I can do, you know, <laughs> um, except uh, I don't really, you know, I don't get too nervous anymore. I just, 
you know, I'm just, you know, I try to, I try to take as much emotion out of it as I can. Um, it's not easy to do, but then, you know, when, when you get the result, you know, the wins are, 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 you know, exciting, fun. Um, it's a feeling like no other. And then the losses are just as bad on the other side. So, um, and then, you know, you just deal with the, the funk coming week. So it's, um, yeah, it's hard to describe. You have to be like the coaches and players and basically, you know, focus on what control, what you could control and not really scoreboard watch. Or are you going to be checking out obviously what the, what the other games are going on? Yeah. I, I try not to pay attention to that just because <laughs> I don't, that's just something else that I have no control over that I worry about. Right. Um, um, when you're relying on someone else to do something. So I just try to focus on, on what we're doing. And look, I, I have it worse than the coaches and players. At least they can do something during the course of the game to affect the game. I, I can't really do anything except watch. And so that's tough. It's like, it's kind of like being a fan, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's a little more to it. Always appreciate the time, Mickey. Thank you. And uh, best of luck to the team. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking next week about a playoff matchup. Yep, hopefully so. Thank you, Steve. Jeff, appreciate being with you guys. Thanks, Thank you, Mickey. We're going to pause 10 seconds now to let Station identify themselves on the Community Coffee Saints radio network. We'll take a break and close things out with one more segment here on the Saints Hour. Me and Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak coming back with more right here on the Community Coffee Saints radio network. Welcome back into the Saints Hour. Steve Geller along with sideline reporter Jeff Nowak uh, just spoke with Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis about the Black and Gold's uh, win in Tampa and talked a little bit about getting ready for the Atlanta Falcons coming to the Superdome. What kind of atmosphere we're really expecting for this matchup with some of the fans. But, Jeff, man, uh, we know what this Falcon squad did in the first matchup. Uh, different quarterback will be in at this time around. And uh, stopping that run game obviously is going to be a huge key. Uh, the Dirty Birds were able to pile up the yardage against the Saints. Yeah, it's kind of been a roller coaster in terms of what what quarterback the Saints need to be preparing for because it, initially you thought it was going to be Desmond Ritter and then he got benched and it's like, oh, they might face Taylor Heineke and then he got benched and then he went back to Desmond Ritter and now here we are again, probably facing Taylor Heineke, but I'm not even willing to say for sure. Who knows what they might end up doing. But yeah, this is a Falcons team that if, if you go back to that week 12 matchup, you know, they had they had all the momentum. You would have thought that they were going to go and and take run away with this division based on how that game went. They just they have not. You know, they lost to the Panthers, which if you're a Saints fan, you should be hoping that 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 that's that's the type of Panthers uh, performance in terms of uh, you know, especially on the defensive side that you get this week. Um, uh, and then they get they got you know, taken apart by the Bears last week. You know, a team that really didn't have a ton to play for, and the Falcons did. But you know, this this is a game that. Both teams have a chance to go out and win the NFC South, and both teams have the same path to doing that, uh, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, well, you know, one one of the things that I asked Mickey about, and I I am interested in how it plays out this time, is you know the Saints have done pretty well in these rematch games uh, in terms of you know they it was a close game against the pa- the Panthers in Week Two, it was a close game in Week 14, 13, 14. Uh, but they they played well and they got the job done, you know, and again, you went out there to Tampa on Sunday and probably played your most complete game of the season. You know, I, I put up a stock up, stock down column after every game and it took me a while to come up with three bad things that happened. You know, there was so much that went well. 
And yeah, I mean, I think if you see that Saints team again on Sunday, particularly when it comes to stopping the run, because that's what they really did well in Tampa, I think you give yourself a much, much better chance in this matchup. Yeah, definitely another thing that's that's key is, man, it's, it's nice getting off to those fast starts on offense and defense. Um, that was one thing, obviously, we talked about in the Tampa game, you know, driving down the field, grinding out some clock and ending the, ending the opening drive with a touchdown is fantastic. But then you had the defense come right back out, bam, three and out uh, for that Buccaneers squad. Really impressive, obviously, since, you know, we we knew the numbers and saw what the, the Bucs were on a four-game win streak going into the game. And Baker Mayfield was one of the, you know, the hotter players in, in the league, and the Saints were able to stomp that out. Uh, hopefully they're able to do this against this Falcons run game. But, man, they, they're real, obviously very dangerous with uh, B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, and even a Corderell Patterson. Yeah, I mean, and for perspective on just how dominating that first half defensive performance was, there's a Bucks team that had won four consecutive games, and the Saints defense dominated them thoroughly enough that the fans in Tampa were booing in the second quarter. Right, you were saying that. I'm, I'm not... <laughs> the team that still is in control in terms of all they have to do is win one more game. But that was that, that's how frustrating it was for those fans. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. You talk about the offense and scoring on that opening possession. It's the first time they'd done that all season. And the other thing that, you know, if you go back to that that Falcons matchup, you know, one thing that happened is Blake Groupie was asked to kick, what, six field goals? Um, and it's because you went 0 for 5 in red zone opportunities. You had two turnovers in red zone opportunities. And since that point, you know, that, that was the, that was kind of the, you know, the, the inflection point where the saints came back and said, okay, we're going to devote more time throughout the practice week to red zone work. They pushed up some of their red zone work from Friday to Thursday. And that's typically how it's gone. You install first and second down on on Wednesday, you install third down on Thursday and you install red zone on Friday. Well, they've devoted more time to that red zone work. And the results have been pretty astounding. When you when you look at the turnaround, they have scored touchdowns on 11 of their last 13 red zone trips. And Dennis Allen was on uh, WWL last night and he pointed to this and it's it's very much true. One thing they identified was not only do you need to get into the red zone, but they, you know, when you can get the ball inside the 10, you increase your chances of scoring dramatically. And it sounds simple, but it's it's played out to a T, right? You you look at the 11 touchdowns they've scored and all 11 have come from inside the 10-yard line. And the ones that they have not scored, that third down play that, that bogged down came from outside the 10-yard line. So, I mean, I think that's kind of where you look at it and say, okay, we found something that works. You've been able to run the ball a lot better. And when you are efficient on the red zone, hey, if you scored one touchdown on those five red zone trips, I think you win that game. You at least give yourself a chance. If you're, you know, they're they're looking at 85% efficiency, you know, in the red zone over their last four games. And, you know, it, it, that's, it's frustrating that it took as long as it did to kind of make some inroads in that, in, in that area. But, you know, I think when you look at a team that's playing its best football of the season, which I think they are, when you look at the last five games, the Rams, the Rams game, notwithstanding, that's a tough cross-country road trip on four days. And I think right. you saw the play out the way you probably expected. You know, I think that you have a lot that you can hang your hat on in terms of improvement, particularly in the red zone, getting Jimmy Graham, Jawan Johnson more involved. That, you know, that's why I have a bit more confidence going into this matchup. Um, just because again, you, you got the, you moved the ball in week 12, you got into the red zone time after time, after time, you just didn't get it 
<laughs> where you needed to go in terms of six points. So that's kind of the biggest difference I see in terms of how I expect this matchup to go versus how it went last time. We mentioned it a little bit, obviously, the playoff scenario for this team right now. Saints have to beat Atlanta for any shot at the postseason uh, to win the division. They're also going to need the Carolina Panthers to come through at home, at least, beating a division rival in Tampa Bay. Not unheard of. Uh, obviously, the Panthers are just a two-win squad, so there's there's some worry there. But they're if they even if they don't come through for us, there's still another path for this team to even be a part of the wild card. Yeah, what I will say for the Panthers is the last time those teams faced off, it was a 21 to 18 game. The Panthers had the ball with a little bit over two minutes left at their own 40-yard line. They threw an interception on fourth down, but it was a game that they had. Like It wasn't like they got bowled over like they did last week against the Jags. So there should be at least some level of confidence there that they can compete. And the question is, can they win? What, what you can say is they will be trying to win because this is, in a lot of instances, you would see a team that is in line for the number one overall pick that might not be putting its best foot forward. Uh, suffice to say, if you go back to 2020, that's what the Eagles did in a very similar situation against the, uh, the, the at that point, Washington football team. Uh, if if the Eagles won, the Giants would win the division. If the, the Washington football team or commanders won, they would get in. And so it sure looked like the Eagles were going to win when you got to the half. But then the Doug Peterson, who was, that was his final game coach for the Eagles, pulled Jalen Hurts at halftime and uh, if you want to draw a big picture of a of a military <laughs> vehicle with treads instead of tires, I think that's what you were looking at. And the Giants fans were not happy, but that's where you were. Well, the Panthers don't own their first round pick. So nothing really that they do in this game. And they're locked into wherever they pick because the next closest team has four wins. So there is nothing that would entice them to not put their best foot forward. You're better off winning that game. So that's a good thing, right? If they can't get it done then it kind of shifts to the three o'clock window, assuming that the Saints win. If they lose, it doesn't matter. If they win, right. then you get to go at 325. You have the Seahawks and Cardinals and the Packers and Bears kicking off. The Seahawks have to go to Arizona. The Packers are hosting the Bears. The Saints need both the Bears and Cardinals to win. And another way to look at it is you need the Packers and Seahawks to lose because you will not win a tiebreaker against either of those teams. So if you get both of those results and the Saints win, the Saints get in as a wild card. And, you know, while it's a lot to hope for and you're talking about two, three teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs that you have to hope for, um, crazier things have happened, first of all. And second, it's at least simple enough that you can, you know, put a slip split screen on and be like, all right, let's watch it. It's And to me, it's like that's to get to week 18 and have a chance to be excited and and hope for something is a lot better than, say, uh, 2022, where you got to the Week 18 and you ended up watching the the slop fest that went on between the Saints and the Panthers. And I think the Panthers won that game with, like, 40 passing yards. And it's like, those, are, those games are not fun for anybody. Let's be real. Um, so, you know, I'm excited that, that we get to get excited and there's something to hope for. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. Like, like I said on Twitter this week, it's like you can spend all week being a grump and saying there's no chance and and I'm not even going to pay attention. If that's your choice, go for it. You can also choose to just enjoy one week of football and see what happens. And that's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, you mentioned that right there. It, this is this is possibly our final week of Saints football until obviously we start getting into 
OTAs and and all that. I, I guess you would say that, that we'll start talking draft afterwards. Yes. But um, yeah, I, I, we've we wait so long for this season. Uh, enjoy the games that we have. Definitely uh, happy to be one more finale in the Caesar Superdome at least, and hopefully all goes the Saints' way. They end up with a division crown, and what do you know? And this wacky, wild season that's been all over the league. Somehow, some way, the Saints could still end up hosting a playoff matchup, believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, the offseason is going to be here. There's going to be plenty to talk about. It's not going anywhere. I'm I'm talking about football this week. I'm not talking about roster moves and and dis- decisions that have to be made and draft picks that you have to figure out. I'm talking yeah. about football. We're talking about playoffs. <laughs> playoffs? <laughs> We need a Jim Moore for uh, a guest. Yeah, appearance. where is he? Can we get him in here for a second just to say that one time? Uh, um, that, yeah. That's a wrap on this week 18 edition of the Saints Hour. Steve Geller along with jo- Jeff Nowak. Obviously, huge thanks to Mickey Loomis for joining us. And be talking to you soon, Houdat Nation. Definitely get ready for a noon kickoff Sunday right here on the Community Coffee Saints Radio Network. We'll be talking to you more. Houdat. Houdat. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.